Well, good morning, everyone. My name is Dion, and I'm one of the teaching pastors here. And I'm excited to, uh, to talk to you about clarity as it relates to your mission. Um, I think this is really important for all of us, so uh, let's pray God's blessing on it. Father in heaven, thanks for your love. Thanks for, for the fact that even though you reign above everything, that you reign high above it all and you see it all, uh, God, that you're so mindful of us here in this place. Who are we that you would be mindful of us? And yet you are. You care about us. So God, uh, today... I pray that uh, you would you'd, you'd turn your eye toward us, that you'd see our needs, that you'd hear our cries, and that you'd meet us in our need. God, turn your voice to us and speak words of truth and life that will strengthen us, that will direct us, and that will uh, m- maybe even challenge us. But God, turn your voice to us and speak, and let everything that we do in this place um, be right and true and good and honoring and glorifying for you. We pray this all in the name of Christ. Amen. You know, clarity isn't easy, especially as it relates to your own life. Have you, have you discovered that? Clarity in other things, other people's lives, other situations, that's easy. Like, I don't know about you, but, but I could solve other people's problems all day. Right? Just bring me other people's problems, and, and you know, I can, I can see it, and I can, I can tell them exactly what they need to do, and it would probably make their life a lot better if they would just listen. Right? How many of you feel that way? How many of you feel like if they would just let you, you could put Dr. Phil out of work? Just give you a TV camera and you'd be good, right? Because solving other people's problems is pretty easy because clarity in other people's lives and other situations that don't involve you, that's kind of easy. But when it relates to your own life, have you noticed that, that everything that was once clear in someone else's life now becomes foggy in your own? And whether it's relationships or work or money choices or school choices or, or uh, other friendship choices, have you noticed that, that all of a sudden things that were clear, when, it, when you're talking about your life, it becomes foggy, and you can become bewildered and befuddled and confused. See, clarity isn't easy, especially when it relates to your own life. I think it's sort of like this. I think it's sort of like going downtown. Um, you know, up here I got a map of St. Louis. I'm still relatively new to St. Louis. But uh, if, if I want to go down to a Cardinals game at Bush Stadium, uh, you know, I can sit in my office and I can look at this and I can say, okay, and downtowns are messy because people used to ride on horses places and then they built roads over them and and then some Germans or something came in and made everything square. You know, Germans, they can't deal with things not being square um, in, in order in grids. And so they laid that on top. And so you've got streets running every rich, which way. And, and yet when you look at a map like this, you go, okay, not so bad. I'm going to go this way and I'll get off at this exit and I'll go up seven. Okay, okay, I, I got it, I got it. But here, have you ever had this happen, whether you're in St. Louis or anywhere else? Uh, have you ever have, had this happen? You, you plot the route in your mind, and it's so clear. And then you get off at the ramp, and there's this mishmash of highway flyovers and one-way streets and alleys and buildings. And you're like, what happened to my beautiful clarity? Tell me that's never happened to you. I know it has. And yet, this is sort of what it's like to look at someone else's life. It's, when you're talking about other things outside of you, you've got perspective. You've got the ability to see everything, and, and, and you know, it's, it's pretty clear for you. But when you're talking about your own life, it's like being down at the street-level view. And everything that was once clear now becomes very, very confusing. Now, I don't know about you, but I've got this great idea. I think it would be great if they made maps, like maybe on, maybe on a phone or something. They made maps where they actually put like a little blue blinking dot where you were on the map. Good idea, right? About 10 years too late or so, because we have these things. They're called GPS devices in our cars, on our phone. Well, today we're going to talk about a literal GPS. And uh, just to be honest, I hate 
this stuff because I think it's so goofy, but it's just too good to pass up. So we're going to talk about a literal GPS that will help you get clarity on one of the things that's hardest to get clarity in your life, clarity on your mission. And to do that, um, as we talk about this whole GPS thing for your life, we're going to start off talking about gifts, or I could even say uniqueness. Now we could call this uh, UPS, I guess, but um, they didn't give us the rights, so we couldn't. So uh, we're going to talk about GPS instead. We're going to talk about gifts. And the Bible talks about gifts a lot. In fact, I'll spend most of my time there, just as a warning. Uh, I'll spend most of my time talking about gifts or uniqueness, because the Bible talks about that the most in a bunch of different places. One of the places I want to look are the words of Paul. He's writing to um, a bunch of Christians in Rome, of all places, and he, and he starts to talk to them about gifts. It's in Romans chapter 12. Uh, but before we get to Romans 12, verse 3, which is where he actually starts talking about gifts, I want to look at Romans 12, 1, just for a quick second, so that we understand uh, the context of what we're about to read. So Paul says this, he says, therefore, and I don't know about you, but when I was taught to read the Bible, uh, maybe you were never taught, so here's a lesson. Um, I was taught that when you see the word therefore, you better stop and ask what it's there for. Eh? Eh? You like that? Uh, and it's true because when you see the word therefore in, a Bible, in the Bible or anywhere really, it's saying, hey, as a result of all of this stuff, here's the big conclusion. So Paul says, therefore, I urge you brothers and sisters, this is important, he says, in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. When we started off the series, uh, we talked about mission, our mission, why we exist as a church. And I even shared with you the mission statement at St. John. Uh, some of you might remember the mission statement. Does anyone remember our mission statement? The, the woman who draws so well, Joyce, she remembers uh, our mission statement. And you're, you're just the superstar today. Uh, here's our mission statement. I didn't think you'd remember it. I don't blame you. I wouldn't either. Um, the, our mission statement is to save the lost and strengthen the saved to live bold and courageous lives of Christian witness before a non-believing world. We said this is why we exist as a church. We exist to save the lost. And truth be told, that's why every church exists. To save the lost. If they're faithful. And if they exist for some other reason, they are not a faithful church. They are an apostate church. Every church exists. Jesus made it clear when he instituted the church. Every church exists to save the lost. But, but we put a spin on this that's unique because we're a unique place. And we say uh, it's to save the lost and strengthen the saved to live bold and courageous lives of Christian witness before a non-believing world. So we say um, our role is to save the lost, but, but strengthening the saved is pretty important to us too. But if you remember in week one, I said we don't have two missions. We have one mission. Our mission is to save the lost and strengthening the saved is a key strategy for how we do that here in this place. Well, since I said that, there's been some confusion uh, about this. And uh, some people think, okay, uh, they heard that and they said, okay, so I guess that means St. John as a church does not care at all about strengthening believers. Um, that once we're baptized, once we're saved, you could care less about us. You just, you know, th throw us out to the street, be done with us. You've got no, no, no purpose for us. And that, that is just not true. That's, that's crazy talk, right? Because you matter to God. Everyone matters to God. The lost or saved, you all matter to God. And so, of course, you matter to us. And uh, Steve Howard was here last week, our senior pastor, talking about um, how you, you are the key to limitless mission. Do you remember that? Um, he talked about how, how we will always have a lid on us as a church, but you are the key to, to do unlimited amounts of service in unlimited numbers of places to unlimited number of people. You are the key to that. You know, strengthening the saved is what we do 30 plus minutes 
in teaching every weekend, and we write Growing Deepers that go along, so you can spend 15 minutes a day through, with God throughout the week on that same topic, and we offer groups, men's and women's groups, and, and then when life really gets you down and you're feeling weak in some area of your, of your journey, we've got an entire pastoral care department that helps strengthen you through whatever you're going through so you can get back up and, and keep moving again. It's even what we're doing in this series. You know, if we didn't care about strengthening saved people, we wouldn't even try to bring clarity to these important issues of why we exist and why you exist and what your mission is. So I'll tell you what, here's the deal. I'll own my failure to communicate because obviously I didn't make that clear in week one. If you also own the the tendency to occasionally, just, just occasionally overreact to some things that aren't necessarily true. We have a deal? Anybody? Okay, you don't have to take the deal. I'll own my stuff anyway. How about that? Uh, Kidding aside, seriously, kidding aside, what Paul is saying in Romans 12, it's very important for us to understand what comes next. Kidding aside, Paul says uh, in Romans, and I mean Romans is a favorite of of believers who want to go deep in Scripture. Uh, If people really want to know the Bible, they study Romans. Like Romans is like, give me some meat, let me study Romans. But, But Paul says that in Romans, the point of chapters 1 through 11, and there's all kinds of stuff that he talks about in chapters 1 through 11. He talks about how Jesus came to be righteousness for us because we couldn't be righteous on our own. And he comes, or he talks about how everyone has sinned and falls short of the glory of God. And so Jesus came to give us his perfection and his righteousness so we could be recreated. I mean, there's some deep, important theological stuff there. But Paul says that the point of all of that, the reason that stuff is there, the reason it's there for, is so that ultimately we could live our lives as living sacrifices. That's the point for Paul. So Paul says, the point of strengthening the saved is not so that you can know more. It's not so that you can be more worthy. The whole point of Romans 1 through 11 is that you can't be worthy. That's why Jesus had to come and be worthy for you in your place. Being stronger as a Christian doesn't make you more saved, if that even makes sense. It doesn't make God love you more. It doesn't make God love you less. See, the Bible says that God is love. And if you really think that something you can do by your reason, your actions, your deeds, if you think you can make a God who defines himself as love, love you more or less, then you've got way too high of a view of yourself. Paul says, no, that's not the point. Paul says, the point of being strengthened as a believer is so that ultimately you can be a living sacrifice. You got that? Paul says that for believers... If you're a believer, you are like veal, right? You know what they do to veal? It's not pretty. But he says, you know what the point is? To feed you, to make you strong, so that you taste better at the butchers. (laughs) That's what he says. Now you understand why Paul, it was a good decision for him not to get married. He's a very insensitive guy. Uh, He shouldn't say these things. But that's what he says. He says, you know, the point of making you strong is so that you can be the best living sacrifice that you can be. See, this is the point of being strong as a believer. It's not any of that other stuff. It's not so you can be proud. I mean, God hates pride. It's not so you can be self-righteous. God hates self-righteousness. The whole point of being strong as a believer is so that you will make a better living sacrifice. So that when Jesus looks out around the world and he says, I need someone to lay down their resources or their gifts or their time. I need someone to even lay down their life for me. A strong believer will say, me first. Me first, Jesus. They won't say, well, well, Jesus, you know, it shouldn't have to be me. I've been at this a long time. Make someone else do it. No, no, no. It's Jesus, me first. I want to be a living sacrifice. Paul says that's the point. But here's the important nuance here. Is that not all living sacrifices are the same. They look different. 
So the way you will live as a living sacrifice is different than the way that I will live as a living sacrifice, which is why we have to pay attention to our unique GPS. So now look at Romans 12, verse 3. Paul says, for by the grace given me. For Paul, it's all about grace. It's all about God's favor that we don't deserve. He always keeps that in mind. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, right? And not every part has the same function, he says. So in Christ, we, though many, form one body. And each member belongs to all the others. Now, he's going to dive into gifts here. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's encouraging, then give encouragement, right? If it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, then do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. So, so Paul says, you've got to figure out what your unique gift is. If you want to live your life as a living sacrifice, which is the point of the Christian life, you've got to figure out what your unique gifts are. You've got to figure out whether you're a teacher, whether you're a leader, whether you're a, a servant, whether you're a giver. You've got to begin to understand what your unique gifts are. Someone else's won't do. But the problem with this, the problem with understanding our gifts, I, I think there are really two problems. One of them is this, that either we end up thinking too high of ourselves or too low of ourselves. We think too high of ourselves or too low of ourselves. When you think too high of yourself, you know what that looks like, right? You don't know anyone who thinks too highly of themselves. You must live in a nice world, right? Uh, we, all, we all run into this, and sometimes this is in us, but we think too highly of ourselves. And what happens then is these gifts that God has given you, they become entitlements. They become things that you believe that are your birthright, that you deserve, that, that are rightfully yours. Or on the other side, same thing, different, different, uh, different name. Or you start to believe that you've earned it. That, you know, these aren't gifts, man. I developed these skills. I went to a great college, and I worked my tail off, and, and I've earned these things. And, and when you think too highly of yourself, that gets in the way of you understanding that these are gifts, that these are uniquenesses that God intended you to use to be a living sacrifice. Or on the other side, you can think too low of yourself. And you know people like that, too. We all fall victim to this from time to time. I'm not good at anything, you know, why, oh, she's so gifted, he's so gifted, I wish I could do that, me, I'm just, you know, poor me, I don't have any gifts. I want you to see what Paul says about that again. Uh, look at Romans 12, verse 3. He says, for by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. See what Paul says? He says, don't think too highly of yourself. Be sober in your judgment of yourself. They're, your gifts are not entitlements. Your gifts are not things that you've earned all on your own. That's not true. That's a lie. Don't believe it. But he also says, don't think too lowly of yourself either. Think of yourself in accordance with the faith. He says that word faith, important word here for us today. In accordance with the faith that God has given us. See, for Paul, faith is the X factor. Faith is the multiplier. Paul says, don't think too highly, don't think too lowly. Somewhere in the middle is true humility about your gifts, but use your gifts in faith. Have you ever witnessed someone who's got meager gifts, who uses those gifts with great faith, and they do great things? God does great things through them? And I'm sure you have. And have you also ever witnessed someone who is incredibly gifted? I mean, just so gifted. 
and yet their life turns out to be nothing significant, or worse, they become a legend in their own minds. Why? Because they don't use their gifts in faith. See, the Bible leaves room for us to to believe that some people really do have more gifts than others. But Paul says it's not just your gifts that matter, it's using whatever gift you have in faith. So don't talk down about your gifts. Don't be envious of the gifts of others. Embrace your unique gifts, however you perceive them to be, how important you perceive them to be. Just, Just embrace them and use them in faith, Paul says, in accordance with the faith that God has given you to believe in a God who can do immeasurably more than all you ask or imagine. See, if you think too highly of yourself, you think it's all on you and you won't even ask God for help because you're so awesome you won't need it, right? If you leave God out, then good luck. And if you think too lowly of yourself, you'll say, well, what can God do with this? God could never do anything with someone like me. Again, Paul says it's all about faith. Faith is a multiplier. So if you want to know your gifts, you've got to find that place where you're not thinking too highly of yourself or too lowly of yourself. Instead, you think of yourself in sober judgment in accordance with the faith that God has given you. And, And then there's this other issue that often gets in the way of us fully embracing our gifts and using them in faith. And that's the issue of conformity. Conformity. See, if if you're going to embrace your unique giftedness, it just stands to reason that you you aren't going to be like everyone else. And yet that's what we often try to do. Uh, Those of you who are kids in this room, if you're in school, school age, if you're in high school, um, you know, if if you're just kind of at that early phase of life, let, let me tell you this. Listen up, young people. God made you to be unique. So stop trying to be like everyone else. It's not what God made you to be. He didn't make you to be like everyone else. He made you to be unique. And if you would just spend a portion of the time that you spend trying to look like everyone else and dress like everyone else and talk and act like everyone else, and and I know you're going to spend time doing that because that's what it means to be a kid and we all did it and that's okay. But if you would just spend a portion, a small portion of that time and energy and, and emotion of trying to fit in and be like everyone else, if you would just spend time instead Asking your parents, asking other people in your life, reading, praying, asking God to show you your unique gifts, man, you would be served well for life. Those of us who are a little older, some of us still struggle with this, but don't you wish you you, you knew this, and especially earlier in life? I mean, I was one of those kids who I was like kind of bookish, and I liked arts, and and, and yet, what did I think? I thought I had to be like everyone else. I had to try to be cool and fit in. And I was a boy, so I meant I had to be a jock, and I am not a jock. You know, I like health and fitness, but I'm not a jock at all. My wife can beat me in every game, pretty much, that exists. Uh, sports, sportsman, uh, athletic stuff. I can't even say it because I'm so not a jock, you know. It's, but but some, one day I, I realized, hey, you know, God, God made me different. He didn't make me to be like everyone else. That's okay. And when, when I finally embrace nonconformity, I found that it was a lot of fun. That there's a lot of freedom in not having to be like everyone else. So stop trying to be like everyone else when God made you to be different. And you know, some of you are well beyond the age of being kids, and you still struggle with this. We all do, right? You look at other people's gifts, and you're jealous, and you feel bad about your own, and you still feel this pressure to fit in. That's not what God wants for you. See, the problem is in life and even in the church, we, we, we put this pressure on each other for everyone to be the same, to talk the same and look the same and express themselves the same and dress the same. You know, we put this pressure for conformity. But, but the problem is, guys like Paul 
he wrote about this three different times. He was passionate about this issue. It shows up in the Bible all over the place. I mean, think about how many things in the Bible we get really fired up about that are just a passing reference, and yet here Paul and others preach on this issue a number of times, and they say, it is wrong for you to try to be like everyone else when God made you to be unique. See, the strength of anybody, the strength of the movement of Christ is not that we all are exactly the same. Our unity in Christ, yes. Our unity and our conformity to Christ's teachings, yes. But our diversity in who we are and who God's created us to be and how he's gifted us, that is our strength. And so if you ever want to know what your mission is, and I hope you do, otherwise you're just drifting through life. But if you want to know what your mission is, then you've got to take inventory of your gifts. Here's a few resources that might help you. Uh, there are all kinds of things out there. There's Myers-Briggs, StrengthsFinder. Those all tend to cost money. We've got a free resource on our website. It's pretty good. It's free. So, you know, it's, it's as good as free gets probably. Uh, it's called Uniquely You. Uniquely You. And it's a survey that will help you understand your spiritual gifts from a biblical perspective, your skills, your personality. It is free on our website. Go and take it today. Uh, just go to, to Next Steps and New Here or search Uniquely You. You'll see it. And uh, in a couple of days, we'll email you back a report, and you will begin to understand. It won't tell you everything, but you'll begin to understand your gifts, how you're unique. We all need to know that. Or you can do this. Uh, we don't have a Growing Deeper for this week because this is an add-on, um, and so it kind of messed up our plans. Um, but, but go around this week and just, just pay attention to, to this question. Have this question in your mind. What do people affirm in me? What do people affirm in me? Or ask this. What do I consistently bring to the table that no one else brings? Whether you're at work, at home with your family, in your volunteer uh, role, if you're just even in your social circle of people that you hang out with, you do something, you bring something to the table in that group that no one else brings. Do you know what that thing is? Just start to notice. And if you can't figure it out, just ask the people around you, say, what do I bring to the table that no one else brings? You know what? They'll be able to tell you, I guarantee it, if they're observant, you know, if if they, if, they, if they like have a pulse, they'll be able to tell you, hey, you know what, you do really well. When, when we're together, this is what I appreciate about you, that, that you always blank. They'll be able to tell you. Start asking around. It'll help you figure out how God's made you to be unique. And, and by the way, here's just a tip. Um, here, here's a tip. Part of what makes you able to humbly accept your own gifts is learning to genuinely appreciate the gifts of others. And so if you feel like you're at a roadblock, you just cannot humbly not too high, not too low of yourself, using your gifts in faith, you know, embrace those gifts, then here's what you might need to work on, just maybe. Maybe you need to work on being more genuinely appreciative of other people's gifts, not being jealous of their gifts, uh, not diminishing their gifts, but actually being genuinely appreciative of those gifts because to humbly embrace your own gifts, you need to genuinely appreciate the gifts of others. So uh, that's enough about gifts, right? Gifts are absolutely important. The Bible talks all over the place about gifts. The next thing, the P, is passions. Or I could say burdens. Passions, you know, what are you, what are you passionate about? Well, that could be a lot of things. That's why I attach this word burdens uh, to the equation. What are you burdened by? And I don't mean what stresses you out, what keeps you awake at night, you know, because that could be your job, that could be your relationship, that could be, you know, money, your bills. I mean, lots of things will burden you in life. I mean a different kind of burden. I mean, what thing out uh, in the world 
What, what, what issue that is, that is spoken about in Scripture that's close to the heart of God? What injustice? What thing that is just you know, broken in the world that bothers you? What thing is it that, that whenever you hear about it, whenever you see it on TV, whenever you read about it, it just strikes you in your core and sends reverberations through your whole spirit, through your whole being? See, that's a burden. A burden is, is, is sometimes called a holy discontent. Um, this, this sense of, man, this just isn't right, and it, and it grabs a hold of you, and it won't let you go. If you want to know your GPS and figure out your mission, you've got to know uh, what your passions are or even your burdens. Because God can use a burden. It always amazes me um, that God used Paul, the guy who wrote Romans, the guy who actually went to preach to the Romans, it amazes me that God used Paul to be a preacher to the Gentiles. Because see, Paul, from a very early age, he was selected. He was handpicked out of all Jewish boys to become a scholar. His leaders, his elders saw something in him. And so they, they picked him out and they groomed him to become a man who was, who was versed in all the, all the details, all of the, all of the trappings of, of Jewish culture and religion and theology. And it amazes me that when God was ready to send someone to preach to the Gentiles, to preach to the Romans, to preach before kings and queens and emperors, and that he chose Paul. Paul, this guy who had spent his whole life immersed in Judaism. He's now preaching to Greek people. No, 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 God, that's dumb. Leave Paul in Jerusalem, right? Leave Paul there because he's gifted to do that. Send someone else over to the Gentiles. No. God chose Paul. Why? Paul had a burden. And maybe it's because Paul knew what it was like to live life as an enemy of Jesus Christ. Nay, saying it, not believing it. He knew what that was like. He did that. He, tried to, he did kill Christians. He arrested many others. And then Jesus came into his life. And it made such a difference that, that Paul looked at a world and he says, you know what? What Jesus has done for us is so powerful that this, this can't just be for, for Hebrew people. It can't be for the, for the Jewish culture. It's got to be for everyone. He, he had a burden. And God said, that's right, Paul. And so I'm going to send you th- this guy who's groomed in Judaism, this, this Hebrew of Hebrews. I'm going to send you to go preach to Greeks. That makes a lot of sense, right? It does. Because God can use a burden. I can testify in my own life. I mean, I, I didn't someday look at my gifts as a teenager or as a college student and say, you know what, I'd be really well suited to be a pastor. Some of you are like, amen to that, right? Um, th- that wasn't it. It wasn't, it wasn't an assessment of gifts. It wasn't saying, oh, I've got the right gifts for this. Maybe, no, God gave me a burden. I found myself at a Christian university because they gave me a lot of scholarships. I was a Christian, but I was there because they gave me a lot of scholarships. wasn't intending to stay. And I started looking around at all of these other, all these other young men who were studying for the ministry and nothing against them, they're, they're good guys. Um, but, but so many of them, they just seem to talk about God and, and think about God and describe God in ways that were so different from how I had seen God. And again, it wasn't their fault. It was just that God chose to do some things in my crazy family. And he revealed himself in, in, in ways that just blew me away. He showed himself as a God of grace who gives even, even the most broken of people second chances. And third chances and fourth chances. And, and he showed himself to be a pursuer of lost things. He showed me to be a God who, who can pull people literally from death into life. And, and I saw that and I said, man, man, God is, God is powerful and he's zealous and he's amazing. And, and he loves people 
And I would hear these guys talk about God, and I was just going like, why aren't you talking about God the way that I've seen God? And, and again, you know what I was doing? I was putting the blame on them for something they never experienced. And eventually God says, you know what? If you've got this burden to make God known the way you've seen him, then why don't you go do it? And eventually, after running for a while, I said, okay, I will. And, and along the way, here's what happens when you follow a burden. Along the way, you'll discover that you have gifts that you never knew you had. Or I believe God might even give you gifts that you didn't have before if you're obedient to that burden. And I also believe that when you follow a burden, sometimes uh, God may, may use you as the person just to gather the right group of people together who do have the gifts. You don't have all the gifts, but maybe you're to be the person who brings people together who have the gifts to, to pursue God's agenda for that burden he's laid on your heart. Now when I say um, pulling the right people around, I don't mean delegating it to the church right? Hey, pastor, here's a great idea. I'm just really torn up about this. Will you do something about this? That's not being faithful to a burden God's given you. That's delegating responsibility, right? That's passing the buck. That's not what I'm talking about. But God can use a burden. So you figure out your gifts, you figure out your passions, uh, your burdens, and then last, S. Anyone want to guess? S is stop talking Dion, right? Just stop. No, uh, this one will be quick. Um, S is season. Uh, we love to talk about this here. We think it's so important. Uh, it's talked about throughout the Bible, um, most notably in Ecclesiastes chapter 3. It says this, there's a time for everything. There's a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. So there's a time for everything and there's a season for every activity under the heavens. To everything, turn, turn, turn. All right, that was, that was the Bible verse before it was a song by the birds or whoever sang that. Um, there's a season for every activity under the heavens. So, so, so we think here that if you're going to figure out your mission, it's not enough to figure out your gifts and your passion or your burdens and then just to go, right? Because I might say, hey, I like to communicate the gospel. I've also got a burden for people in developing countries. Oh, I guess that means that my, my mission is to travel the world to developing countries and to preach the gospel. That would be all fine and good. Until I consider my season. You know, my season, I've got three little kids at home. That wouldn't be faithful, right? If I just left my family 40 weeks out of the year and traveled the world. No, no, no. That's not what God has in mind for me. So you've got to pay attention to your season. Otherwise, you'll botch your entire mission. Now, that doesn't mean, by the way, that was just a hypothetical example. I've got no intentions of going anywhere. But uh, that, that doesn't mean that, um, that you just can't do anything until you're in the right season. See, the, the, the challenge of this, and this is where I think community is really important. Being in a group of people, and, you know, diversity in that group is great, but having a group of people around you who are in a similar season, I think this is so important because this is what will help you wrestle with, hey, I've figured out my gifts, I think. I've figured out my passions. How do I do this where I am now in the phase of life that I am now? How, do, how, do I, how am I faithful to all these different callings I have while God is also showing me this stuff? So paying attention to your season doesn't mean you do nothing. You know, in my case, it doesn't mean I do nothing until my kids are grown. It means I've got to figure out how to use my gifts, how to use my passions in the season that I'm in. And maybe that other season will come up later. So you got this? You got a GPS. Gifts, passions, season. And if you, if you pay attention to these things, if you talk to people, if you seek counsel, if you, if you pray to God, he's going to make some of these things clear. But there is one additional nuance here. Okay? Uh, and it's important if you're a Christ follower. As you figure this stuff out, uh, there's something you just need to know. That your mission, right, your mission 
and all of this stuff, if you are a Christ follower, must be first built off the mission of Jesus himself. And we started here in this series talking about the mission of Jesus. Do you remember he said the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Came to seek and save the lost. So if you're a Christ follower, uh, you've got an additional challenge. Not only do you have to ponder your season, but you have to find a way to build all of this mission off that mission of Jesus. To seek and save lost things. Now if you're not a Christ follower, here's where you just get to you know, wipe your brow. You've been enduring all this because a friend invited you to church and you just go, go, okay, I don't have to worry about this. If you're not a Christ follower, um, you can just, you know, you can do what you want. You're free to figure this out on your own. If you're not following Jesus, you don't have to consider that last part. So if you look at your gifts and your passions and your season and you say, you know what, my life's purpose is to make a lot of money and, uh, and to just enjoy, you, you can do that. You're free to do that. It may not be the wisest thing. It may not be the most meaningful life, but hey, this is America. If you want to pursue a life of triviality, that, that, that's good. You can do that. In fact, if you do it well enough, they might even give you your own reality TV show. Right? I mean, all kidding aside, it's, it's true, you're, you're not bound to this, but if you follow Christ, you are absolutely bound to figuring out how to use your gifts, your unique gifts, your passions, your burdens, your season, to further the mission of Jesus. So, so maybe uh, you're that person who you said, my mission has been to make money up to this point because it's what I'm, I'm gifted to do, I, I, you know, I'm a great business person, um, you know, it, it all fits in my season, and you become a Christian. That doesn't necessarily mean that your mission has to change that much. Maybe it's still making money, but instead of spoiling those in your life, maybe, maybe your mission is now to help finance the work of the kingdom of God. You think that's crazy talk, but there were people in the Bible who had that same exact mission in the New Testament. Interestingly, a bunch of them were women who somehow find themselves uh, being successful entrepreneurs even in that world. It's pretty incredible. See, see if you're a Christ follower, you've got to make all these things work together with Christ's mission for your life to seek and save the lost. And here's just one other caveat. Um, there's a great temptation as you're doing this. And I think in all of, our, all of our journeys, there's probably a temptation to at some point in life say, you know what, I love Jesus. I love what he's done for me. I want to be a living sacrifice for him. So therefore, I'm going to go be a missionary or work for the church or become a pastor. Now, obviously, I wrestled with that and the answer was yes. But can you imagine if everyone wrestled with that and said, oh, yeah, okay, I'm going to go work for the church. If every doctor, if every lawyer, if every school teacher, if every accountant, if every service worker just left their job and said, I'm going to go be a missionary, the world would be a mess. That, that's, that's not what it means to figure out your mission. See, I think far better and, and far more exciting is if all of you, where you are in life, begin to wrestle with these things and you figure out how you're uniquely gifted, you figure out your passion or your burden, your season, and you build it off the mission of Jesus to seek and save lost things and you find a way to use your own unique GPS to further the mission of Jesus. Now that's a lot. Uh, I hope you take notes, because this is something that you're going to need to wrestle with. This is not something that will come to you probably in the middle of the night. God wants us to be a little more tenacious than that and to wrestle a little harder. So today, just for a minute, I want to begin that uh, wrestling process with you. I want you to begin that in your own life. So I'm just going to give you another window of time to begin to pray and to ask God for clarity on your mission, clarity for our mission. Some of you have concerns about the church, and I hope every time you're concerned, you pray for the leadership of this church. 
Pray about those concerns on your heart. Pray about your mission. I'll come up and close in just a minute. Take some time.